Well, welcome to uh, NETS Course 2, Disciples of the Lord Jesus. This is Session 6, and we're talking about manifested grace. Now, the Apostle Paul writes seven different times that there are things that he does not want us to be ignorant of. And one of them, he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, that concerning spiritual matters or spiritual gifts, he does not want us to be ignorant. In other words, he's very clear that he wants us to be smart about spiritual matters. He wants us to understand. We also know that he wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And strongholds are in our mind. Therefore, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. One translation said, they're imaginations. And we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The renewed mind is the key to transformation. That's how we battle. The battleground is in our mind. It's the place where our soul and our spirit come together. And we need to understand spiritual matters. In order to clearly understand spiritual matters and have it in a working knowledge, we're going to have to pull down wrong teachings that cause strongholds. Some of the wrong teachings that we've been taught is that manifestations are not available today or certain gifts are not available today or they died with the apostles or whatever might have been taught that isn't scriptural. We have to come to the Bible and we see that what God says is what we believe. We receive it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. If we'll receive it as the word of God, then we will have him working in us effectively because we believe. If we misunderstand grace, it may be because we've been mistaught on what it is. If we clearly understand what it is, then we can manifest it more clearly and more accurately and more often. If we want to receive anything from God, we've got to know how to receive it from him. And scripture is our guideline on how to receive anything from Him. Anything that's available, we receive through faith. As we change our minds and change our thinking, we put ourselves in a position to receive blessings from God. Now we've learned that the empowerments of Spirit, talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, are given by God at His will to the profit of all. But we've also seen we don't all have ministries in all areas, but we all may manifest the grace empowerments according to faith at His will. An analogy that's been used is that of God's cookie jar where He puts those gifts of the Spirit. Nine cookies in there, but we have to reach in and take them. But it's His will whether or not He places them in there for us. But if we won't reach, we'll never receive. In the process of reaching many times is when we receive. Because in the process of reaching, we place ourselves in a position to receive that grace. And we manifest it. Now we're going to see that some of these we all may manifest every time, but that doesn't mean we have a ministry in the area. For instance, the manifestation or the gift or the empowerment of tongues. Once we receive that, and speak in tongues, we all may speak in tongues at our will. Because at that point that we receive, it becomes His will that we can manifest that at any time. Meaning that we can reach up and receive that cookie. But what we can't all have is to reach up there and receive many cookies 
of tongues. In other words, many different languages is a specific ministry or long suit that is given to certain people in the church. But we all may put ourselves in a position to receive the manifestation of tongues, and we're going to look more at that tonight. Now, the obvious answer to what we were looking at in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 30, do we all have gifts of healing? Do we, are we all prophets? Do we all have various kinds of tongues or families of tongues? The obvious answer is no. Yet in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, it says, you all may prophesy. We all can prophesy. So in order for that to fit with the other verses, we have to interpret it correctly. Understanding that these are ministries functioning in the church makes it clear and it fits with the other verses. We also have to understand that when it says that each of the nine manifestations of spirit are given for a specific prophet, because if we understand it in light of each one of us receives one and only one, then when it says you all can prophesy, then why would there be nine of them? Because if we were to prophesy, then there wouldn't be anyone left to do the other eight. So obviously we have to interpret that in light of other scriptures too, that when he gives one, he gives it for that one prophet through a person or persons. And we can all manifest different ones. We can really manifest anyone if we place ourselves in a position to receive that one. We all can prophesy, but not all are prophets. We all may speak in tongues, but not all have the varieties of tongues, the kinds of tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, let all things be done for edification. Now, I'm not going to go into the reason that he wrote this at this time. But what I want to look at is what did he say? When you guys are coming together, each one of you has a teaching. But not all of you are teachers. Each one of you has a tongue. But not each one of you has a ministry in tongues. Each one of you has a revelation, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Each one of you has an interpretation of tongues. Not each one has a ministry in that area. But the point being was that each one of them was doing these things. He was going to point out to them that, look, things have to be done in order. You don't always have to manifest everything. But he didn't reprove them and say, each one of you only gets one, so therefore all the rest of these that you're manifesting must be false. No, he said, every one of you is doing all of these. He didn't say, you don't have that ability or, or you're not doing it from God. What he's saying is that they weren't doing it in love because it wasn't being done to edify the church. They were doing it for the wrong purpose. And that's why he wrote chapter 13, to walk in love. But he did say that they were all able to teach. They were all had tongues. They all were able to receive words of knowledge and words of wisdom, interpretation of tongues. We can too. Each one of us is a human being just like they were. Each one of us has the Spirit of God in us just like they did. And these manifestations of the Spirit are empowered by the same Spirit through faith, and they work by grace. Now, he said to the church in Corinth in verse 
uh, 18 of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul, the apostle, spoke in tongues a lot. More than any of them, or possibly more than all of them. Now that says something, because the apostle Paul was able to walk in great grace. You see him walking in great faith, and yet he spoke in tongues more than all of them. He spoke in tongues so much. Could it possibly be that the one had to do with the other? That maybe because he spoke in tongues so much, he was able to manifest so many of the others. Because he spoke in tongues, because he was faithful in that which we consider the least, he was able to move into that which is considered much more. Because he was able to speak in tongues so much, it put him in a position to receive much grace in other areas. 1 Corinthians 14, 5 says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless he indeed interprets that the church may receive edification. Now you understand, when he says is greater, he's talking about in the context of the church meaning that tongues and interpretation and prophecy are greater than tongues by itself because we want the church to be edified. But he is not saying that they're greater in light of their importance in our toolbox. In his private life, he spoke in tongues more than all of them. Now, in Mark chapter 16, 17, we've mentioned it many times, but Jesus said, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. What was the requirement? That they believe. How do we receive this empowerment of grace? By believing, by faith. We receive grace by faith. We receive a gift of grace by faith. We receive an empowerment of grace by faith. We put ourselves in a position where we can reach that cookie jar and then we reach and we take what God gives us. Now, I want to look at the Bible in light of the historical evidence of the importance of speaking in tongues because we're interested in manifesting God's grace. Now, in Acts chapter 2, we see the day of Pentecost. This is the first time when we see speaking in tongues because it was not available before the day of Pentecost. And in verse 1 through 4, it says, They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there's a principle there. They spoke with tongues. The Spirit gave the utterance. Many of us wait. We expect the Spirit to do the speaking and we never manifest it because the spirit is never going to do the speaking the spirit will give the utterance in other words the spirit speaks to our spirit and our spirit speaks through our mouth in other words we have to speak god is not going to make you speak god did not make them speak now in acts chapter 8 when philip went to samaria and the Samaritans were saved. They did not at first manifest the Spirit through speaking in tongues. But Philip sent down to Jerusalem. And Peter and John, the apostles, came up. And they laid hands on them. And then they spoke in tongues. When they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, some people teach that the only way you can receive 
the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues as if an apostle lays hands on you. Now, we do see in the book of Acts that the apostles did lay hands on people at times, and they did receive the Holy Spirit. But not every time. It didn't happen on Pentecost. It didn't happen again when we're going to look here a little bit further at other times. In this position, however, in Samaria, there was a particular problem in that the whole city had been bewitched by a sorcerer, Simon, who also got saved. However, he had bewitched them. And there was something in that witchcraft that was keeping them from manifesting the Spirit. And therefore, when the apostles came, they laid hands on them. What happens with laying on of hands? Many times, healing. In the supernatural, it can happen in terms of curses broken, packs made with the devil, things like that, that kept them from manifesting the Spirit. When the apostles came, doesn't give the details of what they did, but they did lay hands on them and something changed, and then they manifested the Holy Spirit. And it was so remarkable that even Simon said, wow, I'll give you some money. You give me the ability to, to lay hands on people, and then they'll manifest the Spirit. Well, Peter didn't like that very much. <laughs> The point was, it was so remarkable that Simon the sorcerer, who had seen many great miracles to the point that the whole city thought that he was the power of God, he was the great man of God, and yet when he saw them manifest the Spirit by speaking in tongues, it was the greatest thing he'd ever seen. Well, in Acts chapter 9, when Saul, going to Damascus, saw a vision, the Lord Jesus came, said, why are you persecuting me? You know the story, he got knocked down pretty hard <laughs> and he repented and, he, and actually he was converted right there on the road to Damascus. But he went and he fasted and prayed for three days until a man came, Ananias. And Ananias had been sent of the Lord to lay hands on him. And when Ananias came, he said, Jesus has sent me. This is in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. He said, Jesus has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Apostle Paul spoke in tongues, and we know that he spoke in tongues much, and he spoke in tongues more than all that he wrote to in Corinth. And he, he wanted us all to speak in tongues because he saw the power of God. And when Ananias laid hands on him, he received his sight, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, Peter went to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius had seen an angel, and the angel told him to go get the man called Peter and bring him down here, and he's going to show you what you should do. The Lord had prepared him to receive the messengers who had come from Cornelius. Now, when Peter came, he brought witnesses because according to his interpretation of the law, he should not be in the house of a Gentile. And yet, he couldn't deny what God was saying. In reality, the Spirit was just clarifying Scripture to him because throughout the Old Testament, it says that God was going to go to the Gentiles. Even Jesus said, I have other sheep you don't know of. It just had to be in time. Even Jonah, when he came out of the fish's belly after three days and three nights, he went to the Gentiles. Jesus also, after he was dead for three days and three nights, made it possible for salvation to come to the Gentiles. So Peter, still interpreting it in light of their smaller vision of the Old Testament, needed a revelation from God to break him out of that, to pull down that stronghold, if you will. And so he took some witnesses with him because he still hadn't quite fit it all out. He, he was going in obedience, but he still had the stronghold of it's only for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. Even though it was in Scripture, it was hidden because they hadn't seen it. They hadn't 
wanted to see it. Well, when he went there, he began to teach him about Jesus Christ and him crucified and he was raised from the dead. And while he was still speaking, it says the Holy Spirit fell upon them as it did on the Jews in the beginning, on the day of Pentecost. So in Acts chapter 11, you have the house of Cornelius that all were filled with the Holy Spirit. I've had that happen at times when I've spoken on tongues and what it is and the manifestation and instructed people that it comes by grace and that we can place ourselves in a position. And I've intended to go and lead people into a position where they can receive from God, (laughs) which works very well. If I can help you, I can minister the grace of God to you by helping you come to a position to where you receive. But there have been times when before I was at the place where I thought I had gotten people there, the whole room exploded with tongues, just like they did at the house of Cornelius. just means we got there quicker than I expected. (laughs) It just means that we all went together and there was a lot of faith in the room. There was hunger in the room and it just exploded. And there's there's no more joy, I think, than to see the, the grace of God fall and to see people receive the desires of their heart and to manifest and to be filled to overflowing and have the glory of God manifested what well, happened with Cornelius. It was a good thing because later Peter was called on the carpet back in Jerusalem because he'd gone into a Gentile's house and they thought, well, what's going on here? Maybe if he'd influenced it in some way, they wouldn't have believed it was as genuine, but because it fell on them without the hand of man, they said, well, praise the Lord then. It's available to the Gentiles. Well, then I imagine that after the stronghold had come down, then many of those scriptures became clear to them, which had always been there in the Old Testament. But the spirit that wrote the scriptures is still here to show us the scriptures. Well, then there's Acts 19, when Paul went to Ephesus. And in verse 2, he had found 12 disciples there. They'd been saved under the ministry of Apollos, and they were even left with instruction, so they were disciples of the Lord Jesus. But when Paul came, in verse 2, he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. So then Paul instructed them. And therefore they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. Now, speaking in tongues is a powerful empowerment of the Spirit. It's much, I think, looked down upon and very, very much underestimated. Even as grace is misunderstood, tongues is grossly underestimated. I think the devil enjoys that because we need to understand seven of the nine empowerments of the Spirit were available to the Old Testament believer. Before the day of Pentecost, prophecy was available. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, healings were all available to the Old Testament believer before the day of Pentecost by the Spirit. It wasn't until after the day of Pentecost that tongues and interpretation of tongues were made available to anyone on earth. And there are reasons for that. What I do want you to understand is that tongues is a major weapon in our arsenal. And if we're not using it, we are sorely underarmed for the battle at hand. God saved the best for last. Now, we have a struggle in our body, as you know, the, the flesh always rising up against the spirit and we're wrestling against uh, our own flesh, but uh, trying to reckon the old man dead, 
we have a battle going on in our members. And yet in the future, when we have our new bodies at the resurrection, we won't have that battle anymore. Our spirit and our resurrected body and our saved soul will be in harmony. There won't be an argument. Your spirit won't say do one thing and your soul is arguing. Your body won't be saying it wants to do this and your soul is saying no. In that day, we'll will to do the will and we'll do the will. In our new body, we will no longer have a struggle between the will of the flesh and the will of the spirit. But in that day, what is in the will of the spirit will be carried out by the body of the individual. Speaking in tongues is the greatest figure we have as a promise of this salvation. As we will to speak in tongues, our spirit bypasses our soul and our body carries out the directive to speak in other tongues. No other empowerment allows us the glimpse of the resurrected body as it is the languages of the resurrected spirit already resident within the tabernacle of our body. It's a major way that we train our body and soul to submit to the Spirit. It's the one empowerment of all that all it needs is your will and then it accomplishes everything that it needs to do without your soul. If you prophesy, it comes through the filter of your soul. If you have a word of knowledge, it comes through the filter of your soul. If you have a word of wisdom, it comes by your spirit through the filter of your soul. But tongues is not influenced at all by your soul. Once it has the permission, you speak in tongues, the spirit gives the utterance. It's remarkable. It's delightful. And it's powerful. It's also humbling because you don't understand what you're saying. You're speaking in faith the tongues of men and of angels. You, by faith, are speaking, and the empowerment of God is accomplishing something at your word. Why do we speak in tongues? I'm sure there's many more reasons than I have, but I have found 15 that I can tell you are benefits of speaking in tongues. Matter of fact, I think I can find more benefits listed in Scripture for why we should speak in tongues than for any one of the other of the nine. Well, we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, it says that we speak the wonderful works of God when we speak in tongues. In Acts chapter 10, verse 46, it says that when we speak in tongues, we magnify God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says that when we speak in tongues, it's the Spirit helping our weaknesses because we don't know how to pray as we should. We don't know what to pray for at times, but the Spirit does. In Romans 8, 27, it says, it's the Spirit that makes intercession according to the will of God. We never have to wonder if our prayers in the Spirit are our will or God's will because they're always according to His will if they're through tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, we speak mysteries in the Spirit. When we interpret tongues, we're interpreting into our language mysteries that came to us by the Spirit. The sixth one is in 1 Corinthians 14.4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. You're building your own self up when you speak in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14.17, you give thanks well. The eighth one, this is the rest 
And it is the refreshing that's spoken of in Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. Can we use some rest? <laughs> if we'll take the time to speak in tongues, the Spirit will bring refreshing. He'll bring supernatural rest even to our physical bodies, even to our minds, if we'll allow the Spirit to be manifested. It's a promise. In Mark 16, 17, we've seen already that it's a sign that we believe. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, it says that we are strengthened with might through His Spirit in our inner man. It builds up our spirit man. You can't do physical exercise with a spirit man, but you have a spirit exercise that will build you up and make you stronger. The eleventh, we can build our spiritual faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude 1.20 says, Jesus said, that if we have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. Now we've learned in the past that there's three kinds of faith. There's faithfulness, which relates to our body. There's our faith, which relates to our soul. We're saved by our faith. We receive many things by our faith. Even a natural man has faith, has his faith. But there's supernatural faith, which is like the grain of a mustard seed. That kind of faith can be built up by praying in the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you like to do more miracles? Wouldn't you like to see God manifested more in your life? If you had more supernatural faith, He would be manifested more in a supernatural way. Speaking in tongues is something that you can do. It's almost so simple <laughs> that we overlook it. We try to get the miracle. We try to get the healing. And we step right over the empowerment that's liable to bring us to it. Because it takes faith. God causes these things so that we have to humble ourselves, the more comely or the more necessary. In Romans chapter 8, 16 and 17, it says that the Spirit bears witness that we are the children of God. If you ever wonder if you've fallen so far that you're not His child anymore, you can just speak in tongues and you realize it's the Spirit saying, yes, you're still my child. He died once and it's enough. The Spirit's still there. And sometimes that's comforting. <laughs> But it's a witness to others, too, that you are a brother or a sister. And in verse 17, that we are heirs of God. We have His Spirit. We manifest His grace gifts. We're an heir. In John 4, 23, Jesus talked about the time was coming when true worship would be available, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth, or literally, truly by the Spirit. We are those people that he said were coming that can worship him truly by the Spirit. There's a reason that he chose to wait until Pentecost to release this particular empowerment because he wanted his children to be able to worship him truly by the Spirit and no others. God, who desired worship, who wanted worship so much, and yet he chose to wait until... His son was raised from the dead, ascended on high, sat down, gave gifts unto men. From that place on high, after he became a life-giving spirit, gave of that life, then now, as sons of God, heirs, children of God, we can truly worship him by the Spirit. And lastly, I have in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 and other places, a witness of his resurrection and a token of our resurrected bodies. There is no other manifestation or 
empowerment of the Spirit besides tongues and interpretation of those tongues that are a witness or a testimony of the promise of a resurrected body. Why do you want to speak in tongues? There's some good reasons. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that we should come boldly to the throne of grace to receive that grace through mercy. We come boldly to the throne of grace. Put some effort into it. Mm-hmm. Determination in coming to Him. It's a religious spirit that would say, oh, you can't be bold. You don't deserve it anyway. It's humility to say, yeah, I don't deserve it, but He's going to give it because the Son got it for me. I receive it in Jesus' name. That's humility. That's receiving Jesus fully and understanding what he gave was meant to be given, that his sacrifice was not for naught. Nothing we could do is bigger than his ability to redeem us and bring us out of that place and put us in grace. In John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, Jesus said, He who believes in me, the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his belly, one translation says, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, there's something about Jesus ascending up on high, sitting down at the right hand of the Father, having all authority given to him, Then it was made available, but not until then. It was prophesied, and Jesus interpreted it correctly and said, out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water, if you believe on me. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witness of of me. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus was getting ready to depart getting close to ascending up on high. He was instructing his disciples and the apostles. He was telling them what to do in the next few days between when he left and the day of Pentecost. And he told them, among other things, that they were to go to Jerusalem and wait. But he also, it says in verse 22 here, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe this is a symbol of when God, in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, made man out of the dust of the ground and breathed on him and he became a living soul. Jesus here is about ready to impart new life. And he breathed on them like his father had breathed on Adam in the beginning. And he said, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I do believe he was giving them of his spirit. And I believe that he was instructing them what was going to happen. And when he breathed, Just like Adam breathed in and received and became a living soul, when he was instructing them, he breathed on them. The thing to do then is to breathe in, to receive that breath from him. So they breathed in. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. The Young's literal translation has this as a violent breath. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
In the house where they were sitting came the sound of a rushing mighty wind. It may well have been this was the sign. And then when, when this happened, the Spirit came on them. Something changed that wasn't there a minute before, and it was there then on the day of Pentecost. And they began to speak in tongues at that point. What had been breathed in them then began to be released. They began to release it, and there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind or a violent breathing. Some say that it was just the apostles breathing out, and as they breathed out, the echo within the chambers was the sound of the violent wind, but there was the Spirit filling the room, and as they breathed out, out of their belly came flowing rivers of living water, and they spoke in tongues and manifested the Spirit in a new way for the first time. What a shock it must have been in the enemy's kingdom. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive. This is the word lambano, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lambano means to receive it into manifestation. It means to have it, but in such a way that others can see that you have it. It means that you don't just have it in your pocket, but you're wearing it. When they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, it means that they would manifest it. For the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He says there's a promise to all of us. If we'll receive Him, if we'll repent, we'll receive remission of sins, and we can manifest the gift of Holy Spirit. Isaiah 28, 11 says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. Luke 11, beginning in verse 9 through 13. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. But look at the context. It says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread... From any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The context of asking, of seeking, of knocking is to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus was preparing them to receive the Holy Spirit. And he said, you guys, would you give a snake instead of a fish? No, you wouldn't. The answer is, would you give a stone instead of bread? No, you wouldn't give a stone instead of bread. Well, you're not perfect. And yet our Father in heaven is. So if we ask him for the Holy Spirit, are we going to get a counterfeit? Are we going to get something else? Or are we going to get nothing? Is he going to give us a rock? Is he going to give us a different kind of spirit? No, because he's a good father. So therefore, Jesus is trying to convince them that, look, if you who are imperfect still give good gifts to your children, what about father in heaven who is perfect? He is going to give you the Holy Spirit. If you ask, if you seek, if you knock, you'll receive. You will manifest the Holy Spirit. We have to understand a few things in light of how to receive the Holy Spirit and who can receive the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a gift already given by God. It's up to us to receive Him. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given. When we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, He came inside of us to dwell. It's now up to us if we want to receive Him in light of manifesting it, in light of lambanoing the Holy Spirit. It's up to us. We have to take an action. Number two, anyone who is saved is presently equipped 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number three, recipients should expect the Holy Spirit to move upon your vocal organs and put supernatural words into your hearts, but you must do the actual speaking. Number four, if you can say one word, you can say a thousand. Once filled, you should continue to pray regularly in other tongues. Now I want to look at the words for filled here and briefly at the words for to speak or to talk. I want you to understand these things. There's two different words translated from the Greek as filled, but they mean two different things. There's the word plerao, which is P-L-E-R-O-O, and that Greek word means literally to be filled to capacity. Now, there's another Greek word, which is pletho, P-L-E-T-H-O, which means filled to overflowing, filled into manifestation. So in Ephesians chapter 3.19, we see plerao, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And that second fullness is also from the same word. It's pleroma, which is from plerao. So he's saying, hey, you need to be filled till you're filled with all the fullness of God. That's filled to capacity. There's no air left in there. <laughs> in Ephesians 18, we see it also. And do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Or literally, to be being filled. Continually have it pouring in. It's like we eat, and we have to eat again. So we're filled with the Spirit. We keep having it poured in. So we're always at capacity. But Plato means to be filled to overflowing. Here we see it in Luke chapter 1, 41 and 42. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, she was filled, but not to capacity, she was filled to overflowing and then she said, in other words, she prophesied. Out of her belly came a prophecy. Out of her spirit came a prophecy. God manifested through her. She spoke. Was it the words of God? Yes, but who did the speaking? She did. In verse 57, now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son, John the Baptist. When it says her full time came, that's Plato. In other words, a baby was born. She had been full to capacity. By the end of those nine months, she was filled to capacity. But at the proper time, she was filled to overflowing. <laughs> you see, it was time for the baby to be born. And I'm sure she was plenty happy at that point. Verse 67, now his father, John's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, he had not spoken for nine months, but now he was filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. And he prophesied, saying, Acts chapter 4, verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. He was filled and he said, now here, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, we'll look at both words together. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled, plerao, filled to capacity the house. It doesn't say that anybody in the street heard the sound of the wind, but everybody in the house heard it. All the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, 
The Spirit filled the house to capacity, and then it filled them to overflowing. And it was manifested. So when we see being filled with the Holy Spirit, many times, and most of the time, it means to be manifested, not just to have it put in us, but put in us to the point that it can't be contained, and it comes forth. In Acts 9, 17, Ananias went to talk to Paul. And it says, And when he went his way, he entered the house, and laying hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled, Plato, with the Holy Spirit. He wanted him to be filled into manifestation. That's how we know that he spoke in tongues at that time. Because when he playthoed, he manifested that tongue. Now later he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. But because of this word, we know that the Apostle Paul manifested the Spirit when Ananias laid hands on him and he was healed. One more thing we want to look at is the Greek word laleo. In 1 Corinthians 14, 18 is a good example. I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. In Matthew 10, 20, it says, For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. These are some examples. Mark chapter 13, verse 11. But when you, they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate on what you speak. For whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. He was talking about what was going to happen after he left. He wasn't only talking about speaking in tongues, but what he was saying was the word laleo, which literally means for you to speak without concerning your mind about the words you're going to speak. But when we have the Spirit and we're manifesting the Spirit to overflowing, then get your mind out of the way and let the Spirit go because you are going to manifest the power of God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, And each one has received a gift, Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said, It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. The words that He laid to them were spirit and they were life. When we manifest the Spirit through speaking in tongues, we are bringing words that bring life. John 14, 25 says, And these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. John 16, 13 and 14 says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. On the day of Pentecost, chapter 2 of Acts, verse 4, it says, They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When they got together in Acts, chapter 4, verse 31, when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You can say He's Lord with your mouth, but not from your spirit except by the Holy Spirit. There were people that were saying that, oh, you don't understand what you're saying. You're probably cursing your God. And Paul was saying you can't curse God by the Holy Spirit. 
This is not a deceiving spirit that you have, but the Holy Spirit. And no one can really, truly say that he's Lord except by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13.1 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. You speak. You don't learn the tongues of men and of angels by tongues. You can learn another language and you can speak it by knowledge. But speaking in tongues does not come by knowledge, but it comes by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. And 1 Corinthians 14, 6 explains to us, But now, brethren, if I come to you by speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or by teaching. Now we know that in the church, we should speak in tongues and interpret or we should prophesy so that the church should receive edifying. We want to have edification in the church. However, lest we get too religious about this, we need to understand there are times when we should speak in tongues in the church. And here are some of the examples that he gives us. I can come if I speak in tongues by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or by teaching. Let me explain to you that sometimes we will speak in tongues to build up our spirit and we might prophesy. That would be profitable, wouldn't it? If I were to speak in tongues for the fact of trying to teach you, that would be profitable, wouldn't it? If I were to speak in tongues by revelation, there would be a profit to it, wouldn't there be? So there are times when speaking in tongues in the church is proper in order to bring profit. To bring edification, and that's what we're going to do right now. In 1 Corinthians 14, 39, it says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. If we forbid to speak with tongues, if we say you can't, or you shouldn't, or you can't because it's not available, then we are forbidding to speak in tongues. And until tongues ends, when we get our new bodies and we begin to do it because we understand it, and no longer because it's tongues now, because it will then be understood by our spirit, so it will end, until that day, we would contradict Scripture if we forbid it. We're not going to forbid it here. Now, once when I was leading a group of people into the empowerment of speaking in tongues, there was one man who was having difficulty. And I went over and sat with him. And I asked him to go ahead and open his mouth and begin to speak something. And what he spoke was, abracadabra, abracadabra. <laughs> I had to laugh because he was from a background where he thought these things would come by magic, just like we've seen in Scripture. And I had to explain to him that this isn't magic. This is the Spirit of God. And we do need to move our mouth and our tongues, but the Spirit gives the utterance, not our mind. And we need to put our mind in neutral, so to speak, and let the Spirit bring the utterance. So anyone who's having difficulty, I would recommend having prayer. Have some prayer, perhaps hands laid on you, and... Seek the Lord if there's things from the past that might need to be repented of or broken off that sometimes hinder. I'd also like to tell you the story of how I first came to speak in tongues. I was raised in a denomination that uh, we never heard about the gifts of the Spirit. But when I did hear and found out what was available, I was very interested. There wasn't a lot of teaching at the time on the gifts of the Spirit, and some of it was probably not easy to come by. However, I did come across some literature that spoke some of the things that I have shared with you from Scripture. 
And I read how Jesus prepared the apostles to receive the Holy Ghost. And, and he said, hey, if you, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, what about your Father in heaven who's good? And if you ask him, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. So we know if we ask, we will receive. But how do we receive it into manifestation? Then I learned about allowing the Spirit to give the utterance, but I needed to move my mouth. I needed to let the sound out from deep in my belly. And once I did that, I began to speak in tongues. I prayed. I breathed in and out. Then I breathed and I made a sound. The next time I breathed, I began to move my lips. And then I began to formulate words with my mouth. Joy filled my soul at that point because I realized I had manifested an empowerment of God's Spirit by grace. And I just share that with you and encourage you because it's not where we do it. It's not necessarily how God gets us to come into the place of receiving the grace. But there is a place where we can come where He will give those things that we ask and we can manifest His Spirit. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Now, I'd like you to take everything and just put it aside because right now we're going to get into a position where God will manifest His grace. Grace is an entitlement of ours as sons of God, as citizens of the kingdom. We don't earn it. We don't receive it by works. We just put ourselves in a position to receive and God gives us because it's His desire. We receive it by faith, just as we receive salvation. And I'm going to minister this gift. The benefits are tremendous to speaking in tongues. If we can be faithful in those things which seem the most comely, we'll be able to receive even greater. Now, perhaps you've prayed in the past, but you haven't received. But that can change now. Because we understand more clearly now what the scripture says. And if anyone will ask, seek, and knock, the Father will give. Now, if it's needful that anyone have hands laid on them, then there's somebody that's running this class that can lay hands on them and pray for them afterwards. But for now, I'm going to lead everyone into a place of receiving that Holy Spirit. And we're all going to speak in tongues together. We're not going to pay attention to what the person to our left or to our right or across from us may or may not do. This is between us and God. So right now I pray against any spirit of fear or doubt because God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And any fear or doubt that would keep us from receiving, I ask the Lord to remove it right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we do ask you right now for the Holy Spirit. And we recognize that it's your desire that we would receive. You would above all things that we would speak in tongues. And we want to receive this grace because your son made it possible for us to speak the manifold wisdom of God, to speak the mysteries of God, to have these empowerments manifest in our lives so that we can be built up in our most holy faith and to have our spirit man strengthen all these benefits that come to us as citizens in the kingdom, through faith in you. You can just kind of close your eyes now. And what I want you to understand is that you are going to do the speaking, but you're not going to dream up the words. The words will come from the Holy Spirit. You're going to step out in faith. 
Your spirit will receive the utterance, but you must move your mouth and you must move your tongues. You must make a sound. It says that the spirit helps our infirmities with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, we can speak words that we can't understand with our mind, but there are groanings involved. There are sounds. If I want to speak in English, I have to open my mouth. But if I only open my mouth, it looks like a yawn. I have to make a sound. But if I make a sound and don't open my mouth, it's just a hum. I need to do both. But if I make a sound and open my mouth, but don't move my lips or my tongue, it's just one sound. So there, all these things are needful in the process of speaking. And they are also needful in the process of speaking in tongues. The only difference is I don't have to think up the words. The Spirit gives the words. Now, in a minute I'm going to have you speak in tongues. And it was Jesus that breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And my words are life to you as I'm speaking the words of God. And as you receive these words, I want you to breathe in. And before we speak in tongues, I first want you to just open your mouth and let a sound out. From deep down in your belly, I want you to breathe in and then let out a sound right out of that depth of your soul. Let's, let's breathe in. Now let's just breathe out. There's a sound that came out. Now let's let it come out with more than just a breath. Let's have a sound across our vocal cords. Now that didn't take much effort. It may seem like we're a little silly, but here we're in a place where God's grace can be because we're in a position because of His teaching. We're in a place of His protection right now. We know that He's a good Father and He'll give the Spirit to those who ask. So right now I want you to pray with me if you would. Father in heaven, we thank you for what you have given us through your Son. We thank you for salvation and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We also know that we may manifest that Spirit if we ask. So Father, right now we ask that you give us the Holy Spirit. We ask that we would be able to manifest your Spirit now by speaking in tongues. And we thank you because you are faithful and you are just. Now, have your eyes closed and I want you to go ahead and breathe in again and then breathe out like we just did a minute ago. Okay, now, this time I want you to breathe in and when you begin to breathe out, I want you to start speaking. Okay, I want you to stop. Some of you immediately did it. And you were already speaking, already your mind was saying, I wonder if that's it. <laughs> the fact that your mind is wondering means it has to be it, because if you were thinking of the words, your mind would be thinking about that. Let me, let me just speak in tongues here. We don't understand what those words mean, but they're coming out of my belly. 
there deep down rivers of living water flowing. There's no need to be worked up in emotion, but it's by our will that we go to the Lord and reach up and he gives us the utterance and we do the speaking. Let's do it again together. I want you to keep doing that. Keep speaking in tongues. Keep speaking in tongues. If you're running this class, then I want you to take a minute here, turn off the tape, and let your students speak in tongues for a while before turning it back on. Now that you've spoken in tongues, I want to congratulate you and just say that uh, you have manifested God's grace in this world. Now, it may have seemed simple to you, or maybe it seemed difficult to you. However, even the simplest word, if it was to just be, or something similar, don't feel bad about that. <laughs> it's sometimes it's like a baby speaking. A few words come, just a few words trickle. But if you'll be faithful with that, God will give you more. But be faithful with what He's given you, and He will give you more. Practice the presence of God. Speak in tongues much. Do it in your private prayer life. Go ahead and pray in the Spirit for a while and then pray with your understanding. Let the Spirit build you up and then pray with your understanding. Practice that in between these classes. Practice doing that. Pray in tongues much and then pray with your understanding. You will be built up in your spirit, man. I think it would be good at times with the students who have just begun to speak in tongues maybe at the beginning or the end of some of these classes, to, to take a time and to speak in tongues uh, together with one another in order to teach more clearly. I want you to understand, too, if you can say one word, you can say a thousand. So if you've only said one word, don't be discouraged. Just keep saying that word and you'll receive more. Practice the presence of God. Don't be discouraged. Be faithful in that which you've been given and He'll give you more. Amen?